Have you ever looked in the mirror and not like what you see? You could be overweight, underweight, you could be drinking too much, even be considered an alcoholic, or you could be hooked on drugs. You really would like to break these chains that have a hold on you, but you don't know what to do. Well, on today's show, I have a phone interview with Ed Kamara Jr. He will share how he went from rock bottom to rock solid. We would love to hear from you what the Lord is doing in your life or have seen in others. Write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us and leave a voicemail at 407-624-9957. We at The Millennium Beat are looking forward to hearing what the Lord is doing in your life. Remember that The Millennium Beat is helping people share their stories. Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. Now get ready to hear stories from around the world that encourage and uplift you. Now to the show with your host, Kevin James. Hey everybody, this is the Millennium Beat. I'm your host, Kevin James. Today I'm on the phone with Ed Kamara Jr. Ed, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, it's good to be here. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Let's go to the beginning of Ed's life. Ed, where did you come from? I uh, came from a little small town, uh, steel town, um, in Youngstown, Ohio, about northeast, like right up on Lake Erie, border of uh, PA. Youngstown is actually, um, it's not something to be, you know, very you know, well known for, but uh, it was actually the two-time world capital for uh, murder. So Murder? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, um, it's an interesting town because, you know, once it was a steel, it was a steel town. You know, born, raised, all steel mills, and um, once those crashed and all came to a halt, you know, it really the economy and everything kind of really took a hit, and you know, just it it turned, it flipped, and um, that's kind of like where, oh yeah, and that's kind of like where my life came into play, you know. So I wasn't really a part of the you know good of it, <laughs> but so you know, it's, so you basically saying you grew up on the shady side of town. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it's literally, I mean, I was in the middle of a ghetto. Oh, wow. To say the least. So, I mean, not the worst part of the ghetto, but, um, you know, I was, I was probably, I was the only country kid, you know, I call myself a country kid because I was, grew up hunting, fishing, you know, all that good stuff with my dad. And, um, that's my heart. Um, so I was pretty much the only country boy, I guess you can say in high school and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was definitely um, gender, race. You know, it was it was it was definitely um, leaning towards you know the um, Hispanic and black and stuff. So you know, it was less white. You know, so I'd say you know I single myself out very easily. But you know, it was it was not a hard upbringing, but it was different. You know, I've learned how to um, engage with many different types of people. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> which benefits you know to me now because I can really relate and talk to just about anyone you know my wife always my wife now always kind of jokes about it like you know you're out there you know with this this and this so so and like you don't you just don't fit in i'm like well good thing i'm not supposed to (laughs) all right all right so you that was your early age and then then something happened to you in the first grade let's talk a little bit about that what happened to you yeah so um uh it was it was it was it was a big scare um, because, I mean, obviously at that age, I didn't know what was going on, but, um, you know, I was in a Catholic school 
um, from kindergarten, sixth grade. But while I was at school, I, um, I just vividly, all I remember is, um, I was sitting in class one day and, and all of a sudden my, like, I just slumped over and little did I know that I actually, you know, had an asthma attack right in the middle of class and, um, actually put me in hospital for, I think I was in hospital for a couple of days. Um, you know, but from that point on, it, it, my life took a turn. Um, and it's not like it was like, uh, like, I don't know. It's, it's weird how I planned out just because like, you know, I wasn't able to, from that point on, almost be a normal kid growing up, like from physical activities and playing and um, just engagement, involvement, you know, and, and that limited me. And, um, and I never knew that because, you know, when you're a kid, you just, you know, you just, you know, whatever you, your cards you're dealt, that's what you worked with. You know, you didn't know how to, you know, push past that. You know, so gradually, as I moved up through the years, you know, the weight started coming on. And, you know, obviously, I have an amazing, I had amazing parents and everything. So it's not like, you know, they just like fed me like endless amount of stuff. But, you know, I was taken care of, you know, <laughs> you know, and, um, but it got to a point where, you know, even by, you know, up to, man, gosh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, because I was, I was there till sixth grade, Catholic school. But once I entered the real world, um, into junior high, the public schools, that's where, um, that's where that was a big cultural shock to me because I went from a couple, like a hundred kids in a school to hundreds and lockers and all this different stuff. And, you know, obviously it comes into play bullying and all that good stuff when you deal with that kind of stuff. So it's, um, so once that, and, hit there and around that time frame which you know i'll get into about seventh grade when i got into junior high school you know i was a big kid by then you know i was 172 pounds wow i know my exact weight at that time i was 172 pounds in seventh grade and um i i i played a lot of black backyard football it's not like i wasn't active you know i tried to play and be active the most i could but i signed up me and my cousin signed up for um the football you know junior football and since I was a big kid, you know, my dad was like, you know, let's get you in something. I was just, you know, so I just went with it. And um, I actually ended up being really good. The only problem is in that junior, it's not like it was like you're in a public school to where it wait, it, all that stuff doesn't matter. You just play. Well, in this league, they have weight classes, you know, that's 95s, 115s, 135s, 145s. Well, I was pretty far off from even higher. But they still let you play, you know, play JV and stuff like that. But when it came to real games that counted, you know, I wasn't allowed to play. I had to be at that weight. So I I worked my tail off for a couple of months. I mean, it was, it was a summer league. So I played, I mean, I worked my butt off all summer. I mean, every practice, every everything, man. My dad was working with me behind the scenes and during like I couldn't have been more than a couple months just at the tail end of the last game of the season like I wanted I had a goal to play that last game and I literally got to where I think I was like two or three pounds maybe away away in and I didn't get it and you're talking about a kid in seventh grade working his tail off and almost losing 25 pounds in, in, a, in a single season just to play that last game and I didn't get it 
you know, they gave me, you know, honors, credit and all this stuff, you know, which was, it is what it is, but that, that didn't matter to me because I, the hard work, I don't mind putting in the work, but getting to the point and not getting it was very a hit for me because it was like, man, I put in so much work and it wasn't enough. You're talking about a kid in seventh grade. You're not talking about a, a grown adult, like get over yourself. This is a, I'm still a kid. And it, that, so that didn't help me. And guess what? That way just came right back. And I, I didn't play another season, no games. And don't get me wrong. I played some backup football, with my buddies growing up, which, you know, we, we did that every other weekend, every, every weekend actually, but, um, never really concentrate on the weight aspect anymore. I just kind of started accepting that this is who I am and, and everything, you know, I was, I had, a, um, I never had to use the inhaler, but I did have to use the, the, the machine, like after practices and after games, like I still had to use that thing, you know? So it wasn't to the extent where I had the inhaler, but I did have to use the machine. But, um, so yeah, I mean, and so that just, kind of fast forward you know through high school and you know then you're getting into the partying and the drinking and you know being a kid and so that weight and all of those stuff it, that doesn't matter it's just flying by the way you see and enjoying the time while you got it you know <laughs> and then um speaking from earlier when i told you you know i was a country boy growing up well i actually got a full ride to go to private liberal arts school in worcester ohio and um I actually turned that down to go to pay for school and college and to go down in Southern Ohio. And I got my, I went for wildlife resource management because um, my heart was wildlife and animals conservation. And I actually went down there and uh, I got my associates, graduated on time. You know, obviously the partying, partying and drinking was heavy, but I mean, what college isn't. Um, and uh, but I always put my priorities first, no matter what. So I did graduate on time, and um, a lot of my buddies didn't, which kind of I'll talk about later on. What kind of led me to my rock bottom, rock bottom. But um, so yeah, when I graduated college, um, a defining moment for me realizing, like, and it's crazy that you can look yourself in the mirror uh, just hundreds and thousands of times. And just, just not really look at yourself. You you look in the mirror, but you don't really look at yourself. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't speak to yourself. You don't. No, you don't. You know, and you just you think. I mean, so you're just almost living by what how people respond to react and talk to you. That's almost be, that almost becomes your identity, and then. You know, obviously, all through the years, I mean, the self-esteem and the confidence and 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 all that stuff just was a just a, a, a fixed pot inside of me. I mean, and it was just it got and it got to a point where in college where it 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 overflowed finally, and everything came out. And I I remember I was dressed up. I was literally supposed my family was outside. This was graduation day, and literally had cap, gown, everything on. And um, already, and I literally was about to walk out the door, and I just, I don't know how or why, but I just took one final look at myself in the mirror, and I broke. I was, I was like, 
I didn't recognize myself. Like, uh, I was like, you know, this inside of me, I'm just thinking, you know, this is supposed to be the best day of my life right now, up to now. And accomplished, uh, first kid and, you know, first, you know, because I'm an only child, and but first um, one of my family to graduate college and everything, you know, and I'm like, this is, this isn't what I anticipated. And then I, I just was like, you know, I was at my heaviest, one of my heaviest, obviously. And um, I just, I don't know. And I went through the motions of graduation. And, and um, the biggest thing that happened to me after graduation was that I did a practicum um, in Florida, actually in Vero Beach, where I live now. <laughs> and for the government, for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. And I did a practicum for a whole summer because my family, my aunt and uncle lived down here. That's the only family I have outside of Ohio. That's why Vero's pretty much where I landed. Um, so when I did that, I got really great in with, you know, some of the officers and just people and, you know, in a job, you know, in the government, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. And um, after I did that, um, already I was almost I was already almost in in like fully anticipated all eggs in my basket about you know applying for the internships and a job and stuff like that and knew them and they were like yeah you know definitely apply and when you stood up you know it's not like it was a guarantee but it was almost as guaranteed as you're gonna get so that's what I was looking forward to once I graduated well it was about a month after that they actually, I didn't find out this until, you know, that then, but they actually relocated the head lady that I was pretty much, you know, in with up to North Carolina or South Carolina for a new position, which they brought a new guy in and obviously didn't know me for, right. you know, paper. So, um, obviously I didn't have the near the qualification, everything that someone else probably else would. Um, so, so that landed me right back in my hometown in Youngstown, Ohio, where they call it the black hole um, because it just sucks you in and it just sucks you in. And no one, people say they'll, they'll always get out, but they don't. They don't. And land, uh, uh, I just, you know, landed a simple factory job and the most, and I, it was at that time where it was after I, shortly after I graduated. So my buddies that, you know, didn't graduate on time. I actually went to one of their college, um, uh, one of their um, uh, graduation parties. But prior to that, during that six month time, that's where the depression really sunk in because I was like, you know, I'm back home. Um, what do I have to show for this? You know, I got my degree. You know, um, what um, I just that's where the depression hit, and and I was never an out going out part bar partying kind of kind of guy i've always been very secluded and um and i don't mind that and i started drinking i mean it started you know with a six pack after work that soon turned into a 12 pack and i could drink you know even back in college but this was a whole another level and this is where the generational this is a whole nother this is where the generational curse comes in that killed my father's father and almost got my my father and you know now it's slowly creeping into me and my bloodstream and i went all the way up to a 12 pack to a 24 pack and 
next thing you know, I'm buying 30 packs. They don't have 30 packs down here in Florida, I don't think, but they have, they have them up north. <laughs> and I was getting literally a 30 pack of beer every night, like, and just making a fire or just hanging out outside or hanging out in the back room, still at my parents' house while my parents were divorced, but just still at home. And I mean, it was, it, and it lasted for about six months. And you did that every, almost every day? Yes. Every day, I mean, I would show up to work, blood, bloodshot eye, wow. rank of alcohol. I mean, these, you know, luckily I had great people there that loved me and that I was just, you know, good. I was always a, you know, good, respectful, honor. It's not like I was a troublemaker. I just kind of did my thing. And, uh, but yeah, every single day, man. And, um, well, also if I'm thinking of the money wise, I mean, if you were spending, you were buying Bayer. Oh, yeah, every day. And, that yep. must have cost a pretty penny. I mean, ninety percent of your paycheck probably went to drinking. Oh yeah, and and luckily that's I had that um, cushion because I was at home. I had no, I mean, I had like no bills. I mean, I <laughs> I didn't have like, I mean, I was still you know twenty one years old. I didn't have you know back from college. It's not like I had I was thrown into life and had all these bills and this stuff and cars and you know payment like I didn't have any of that I just I worked and whatever I want to do with my money essentially other than paying like phone and stuff I, I can do what I wanted and um so I had that cushion and guess what that I took full advantage of that and I didn't cause no trouble I just got my stuff came home and that's the first thing I did and I it was like water to me man like it was just I just downed it until they're all gone and that's it you know most time I'll just crash you know, <laughs> not knowing when I fell asleep or especially when it came to the weekends, you know, when I did go out with some of my friends into their house and stuff. I mean, it got to a point bad to the point where I didn't even, I first thing I wake up and I would look out my back window to see if my, make sure my truck, my car was there. Cause I didn't even know how I got home. Um, I would drive home <laughs> from anywhere and anywhere I went, like from friends mainly. And, um, I, I mean, it's, it's a miracle that I've never killed anyone looking back and how many lives even that were with me driving and you know it's that's just the grace of god because i just like you know um, you take lives for granted you know when it comes to those situations and people don't realize that that you're responsible and um so that happened for about six month period of time and then that's where i told you you know my one of my buddies graduated a little late so uh he invited me down back down to the college town for a graduation party and Drove three and a half hours down south, <clears throat> southern Ohio, and had that nice all-day graduation party. <laughs> you know, drinking all day, bar right next to a big bonfire. I mean, it was in the sticks. You just do what you want. And it was an all-day thing. And and I'm one of those guys where I, if I'm not comfortable, and this is why what led me to a lot of the drinking and driving, like, you know, back that, during that past time, because whenever I'm... I don't like a lot of people. I don't like a lot of crowds. I don't like being, especially, you know, when I'm kind of like drinking, like I just, like I told you, I like, I'm a loner. I like seclusion. And, um, so it got to the point where it was like, this is too much. There's hundreds of people here. I'm out. And I actually drove back into town, got a hold of one of my buddies that lived in town. Cause we were just like a hop off the freeway and I'd be able to crash at his house. Cause I was leaving the next morning to go back home. And, um, and then my, one of my buddies was with me that drove down and we, I drove up there and I actually, you can throw a rock from his house to a gas station that I pulled into. So 
this is <laughs> it's not say embarrassing, but it is what it is. But you know, I I pulled in the gas station, uh, fully anticipating like you know I'm just gonna fill up my gas tank because um, you know I'm gonna be leaving in the morning. You know I'm already here. You know whatever. You know I'm still calling. I mean I've been drinking all day though. Like I'm still coherent, fine, fine quotation marks. You know, but <laughs> but um I pulled in pump of gas and the sheriff pulls up behind me and this is two three in the morning and i'm like well i'm not doing anything you know so and he's just sitting there and the moment i take that um you know the lid off and put it right back you know get done pumping gas the moment that thing clicks he gets out of his car and from that point on it was the show it was walking on one foot, you know, doing this, doing that and doing the lines and, um, <laughs> and I failed every one of them. <laughs> and, it, and it's crazy to think because I look back, I'm like, before that reverse, I'm like, well, how did he even know that? Well, what I, what I guess I did was prior to pumping the gas, I pulled in and you could have, I could have cleared the day walking to the gas station, but I didn't. I chose to open the door. And I took a leak right there at the gas pump. Plain as day, no one, no one around, two, three in the morning, sheriff's on the other side in the parking lot, <laughs> watching this dude. <laughs> and I, then I got back in my car and then I pulled out. But as I was pulling out, that's where it hit me that, well, I might as well just fill up. I'm here. So I did a quick out and back in. That's when I started pumping gas and I, and for the life of me, I didn't rem- almost remember that. It was, it's crazy that I didn't remember that until the police report. <laughs> but yeah, um, he took me right to the station and I blew a point two one seven. And I mean, I remember every single bit of it. Like that's how good my just my tol- my tolerance was. But it didn't. I mean, it doesn't reflect on the you know functionality though. Functionality, I was shot. Um, and. Uh, Luckily, you know, they kept my car there and stuff. And my buddy ended up uh, picking me up, taking me back to the house, took my license. My buddy that was with me got an underage. And uh, I'll never forget that morning waking up. Yeah. Calling my mom and and the most gut-wrenching, oh, man, gut-wrenching moment of my life. And my buddy had to drive me back. And when we got home, I just remember my mom wasn't, she, it was the moment where you get, it's the upset that you don't want. It's not the mad, it's the upset. And, um, you know, I, then I had to go through the motions of going back down there for court, missing that three and a half hours away, no license, all that good stuff. But well, by the time, you know, I got a lawyer and got everything knocked down to six months license lost and DUI school. Um, during that time when I finally realized that's, that's where, I mean, I was literally still going into work. My buddy worked with me right down the road. He drove me. I mean, I was literally going into the bathroom, sticking my finger down my throat, make, trying to make myself puke. And that's how bad, that's how bad I felt about myself that I, not even about just me and my life, but letting everyone down, my family, 
my future. Like now, what do I have to live for? Like there, I have nothing to show for this. And now never, always a good kid growing up, never really got in trouble. I'd say I was an angel, but I never got in trouble. And I, I kind of just never messed with the law kind of thing. So when it, the most extreme kind of law thing hit, it was, it was just a shock to my core. And it, it, shook me and rattled me and, and it broke me i mean i cracked and that's where the rock bottom moment hit for me and that's where my testimony really stems from the rock hard faith it, it was i hit rock bottom man and um and obviously it runs in family that i really you need sometimes you know with a hard head you gotta learn hard way but um another defining moment that actually turned the switch for me as far as a change goes. So I talked about, I talked about all the negative and all that kind of stuff that really impacted me to get to the point where, you know, that DUI score, this is where I tell people that how powerful your testimony is because if, if I would never had these moments in this time, and although they were the hardest times you'll ever, you can ever go through, um, they lead you into giving something back to others in your future, you know, to be able to share, to encourage people. Because I mean, I mean, I, I've talked to people that's had three, four, five, but never change. And that's a choice. It's a daily choice. It doesn't just happen. But when I went to that DUI school for that weekend, no, no cell phones, no nothing cut off from the world. Um, it really, I walked in there and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm around people that are shaking like twitching and I'm like, I, man, I don't belong here. Like, <laughs> I, 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 like, I don't belong here. You know, I do, but I don't. And, um, the very last thing that lady up front said does the whole weekend was kind of just like, yeah, yeah. I already know this stuff, you know, obviously. But the last thing that she literally said to us, she said, before you walk out, she said, I got to tell you this. She's like, statistics say that more than half of you guys will be back for a second one. And the moment she said that, most people would say, oh, no, nah, yeah, whatever. Well, that's kind of, that. that's kind of, it was different though. It was a switch in my mind that I didn't see it as uh, no way Jose kind of thing. I seen it as, I'm not a statistic. Like, I, I literally just got, like, for my whole life, I've, I've felt like nothing. And now I've finally been labeled as just a statistic, a number. And, and, and it just rocked me. Like, that's when I think the Lord really, really just flipped my mind. I mean, just a total revelation mindset, like, just flipped. And it, I can't even describe it, but it flipped. And it was like, I'm not a statistic. Like, it almost like a snap back in, because, I mean, my whole life when I was doing the drinking, the only reason why I was doing that was because I was trying to escape reality. It was my only cope. It was my only cope to get away from my obesity, my, my health, my issues, my problems, my failures, my whatever. That was my only way to cope. It was to escape reality. So if I can escape reality, then I'm almost off the hook, right? Then I'll have to take responsibility for my life. Well, now I got to the point where I, if I, I have, I'm taking responsibility for my actions, for my life, and I'm gonna, and and I finally was like, I'm not a statistic, and from that moment on, you know, everything turned off. No drinking, 
know nothing. So I still didn't change the fact that I lost my life for six months. So where does that come from? So where does that go? Um, I work home. Okay, well, how are you going to change your life? Going straight to work, going straight home. Like how, and that's what I tell people that transformation, people, I hear, you know, not to say excuses because everyone has their own time when the Lord works with them. And everyone has their time. But this is my time. So I can share about my time because I use what he gave me. If you use what God just gives you, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. So I had, I had work at home. So what did I do? I don't know why it came to mind, but my buddy um, that drove me, he um, knows me my whole life. He had those burn DVDs like P90X and those at-home fitness workouts. Well, I don't know why it came to mind, but um, I just one day driving home, and I was like, hey, man, you, you still got those DVDs? And he was like, yeah, they're somewhere. I was like, you know, you think I can borrow them? Because I put two and two together. They're three months. It's a three-month-long program. I can do two of them. I got six months. Well, I didn't realize what I was getting into. I just knew, okay, well, here's an option. And gave it to me. And I remember, I didn't go into it with any kind of set goals of, well, I I, I want to lose weight finally or, or this or that. I, I, went in, I went into it with a mindset of, my back is against the wall. If I don't do something that I can control, that I can take action on, then no one else will for me. So I went into it where I had no nothing else to lose. I had no other excuses to make for myself. I'm running and running my whole entire life. Now it comes to the point where, what are you going to do when your back's against the wall? Are you going to start moving forward? Or are you going to just stay against the wall? And um, before I put that first DVD in, this is what I tell when I used to share on stage and um, stuff like that to people before I was even saved. I, <laughs> I just... You know, something hit, you know, clicked in my mind. I almost made a promise to myself. It's almost like a vow you make to God, like that you almost can't break. I made a promise to myself. I was like, you know what? I don't care how long it is, how long it takes. I don't care how hard it is. If I can control putting this in and doing it and doing this for an hour, hour and a half a day, and that's it, then I'll, I'll feel accomplished. Like I did something for myself that I, I'm moving forward in some way, some, some shape, somehow. And that's what happened, man. And this is, you're talking about one of the hardest workouts you can still to this day that you could do at home. And I was, you know, sitting on my way, going from a 30 pack of beer a night, you know, full blown alcoholic, you know, just, I mean, the most unhealthy you can get to cold turkey on a dime switch. And that's why I tell people, I'm like, you know, I have such a drastic transformation physically. But don't please don't compare my my transformation to how yours needs to happen and what the accelerations are because I went from a full 180 like as far as you can get to you know <clears throat> to cold turkey just going at it. I mean I was writing journals, logs, what I was eating. I mean I I had nothing else to lose <clears throat> and um and it took time still until about two months in that I started actually losing some weight like really losing weight. I mean, I, I was rolling off the couch, like so sore, can't even move. That's how, like, that's why I tell people, I'm like, look, you can't work out, 
like I had I had enough room in a in a half spare bedroom to do a plank and a lay down. <clears throat> That's how much room I had to work with. And I lost a hundred pounds in less than a year. So you can't tell me that you know time or space and all this stuff are limitations that you only put on yourself. It's how it's pretty comes down to how bad how bad you want it. And um and I by the time I got my license back, I lost eighty one pounds. And I mean, I cut my stuff off from the wall of Facebook, all that stuff, man. By the time I came back, um, I, I was, I was, I finally felt who I was supposed to be. Like I, like just, and like almost like the sky's the limit now. Like wow, like I, I'm just, you know, there's, I don't know, it was. I felt normal again, man. Like growing up, you know, with the self-esteem and all that stuff that you deal with as a kid that you hold and compress inside, looking at magazines and seeing other people that are miserable, but yet you give anything to have your life like theirs because they look normal physically. You just, however you think normal in your mindset is. But where I was at definitely was I didn't consider normal. So I finally was able to be me. And um, I wasn't even saved yet, even. And it wasn't until shortly after, uh, you know, that whole, I started, I actually went on, kept going for another couple months, and I became a coach. And then I started running local fit clubs at my home, in the garage, in my basement. And I had people coming and, and having fun and, and working out. And Pretty soon their families are going into it, and pretty soon I'm I'm running full blown fit club events every week and once a month. And I had the news crew there the one time obstacle course. I mean, I had I had thirty, forty, fifty people come to my my event. I mean, it I was on fire, man. Like I, and it wasn't for anything that had to do itself. It was like I want to give back. Like I want to I, I can I, I want to show people that they can do this too. Um, and it was never no self about it, but then, you know, not to say you always anticipate there's going to be something around the corner, even worse, you know, the reason why you've got to do one over hump in your season that help you propel you to get ready for the next. Well, I didn't understand all the concepts, but all I know is that last event I had, um, I had an obstacle course and when I went down to do the tires, everyone's cheering me on, news crew, everything's great. And it went from that to guess what, rock bottom, just like that. I, I jumped down, my one elbow caught because of the bear crawl, and my other elbow didn't catch. And it, and it shot up straight up. And I just threw my shoulder, my shoulder, tendon, everything just flung out. And yeah, I stood up and I literally, my arm was looking like I had a chicken wing up over my head. And I, I, I mean, it was almost a still a shock. So it's not like it was like agonizing pain, but I remember trying to put it back in and it was just crunch, 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 crunch. And all I heard was just like a snap crack when I finally got it back semi-normal. Yeah. And being hard-headed once again for about it probably lasted about a month month and a half 
where I was literally popping my shoulder in and out of place, just on normal activities, laying down. And I had to pop it right back in to the point where it got, it got so painful that um, my ex at the time, uh, my first girlfriend, <laughs> um, she was like, you need to go. And I was like, well, okay. You know, and I went into the doctor, got an MRI, and um, still wish I had that um, picture to tell that doctor. But I remember getting an MRI and sitting in the thing office after that. And the doctor came in and he's like, well, you're, you're, you're laboring. Your shoulder's on. There is no tendon there. It's gone. Like, it is torn, gone. And and I didn't. it didn't hit me. All I knew how to respond was like, okay, well, well, what can I do to fix it? Like, what can I do? And he was like, nothing, surgery. And I was like, okay, but surgery wasn't even like even an option in my mind. Like, and I was like, well, okay, well, how can I rehab just to try to get it better? He's like, there is nothing. Like, he literally gave me no other option other than surgery. And not that I did it out of lack of wisdom or like, or like some, um, you know, that I was like being, I don't know, arrogant, but I was like, I was like, some inside of me just wouldn't accept that. I was like, all right, thanks. And I walked out. I was like, I'm, I'm doing events. I'm doing this. I'm, I'm finally <laughs> where I'm at. And you're talking about surgery and maybe getting back into it in another normal six to nine months. And, and I'm like, it's, that's no, sorry. And um, that was the setting point to where God really had to, I guess you could say in a way, humble me and get my attention. Right. Because that's where my story, that's where my journey with the Lord really, um, that later that week, I had, yeah, I had, a, I had an encounter. I didn't even know what an encounter was. I didn't know anything. I mean, I grew up, going to, you know, like I told you, kindergarten, sixth grade, Catholic school, altar boy for all those years and understood the concept of God. It's not like I didn't believe in him. I believed in God. I just never, there was any kind of relationship, relationship living thing tied to him. Um, so it's not like I was like some like, you know, fallen kind of thing, which I was, but I wasn't, you know, I understood. But luckily, you know, my ex at the time, her family was very spirit filled and, you know, involved with the church and, um, she wasn't particularly, but her family was, well, that week we were actually going to break the news to our family that we are going to be moving to Florida because, you know, we figure we can do this together. We can't do it by ourselves. You know, let's just go down to Florida, you know, got things lined up because that family down here and we're going to move and just start fresh, new opportunities, more things because things are slowing down when I was doing the Hit clubs because it's outside, it's up north, things get slow, hibernation kicks in, and people get lazy. And I was like, well, shoot, year round, Florida, let's, you know, now's the time. So, um, that it was a Thursday, and, um, sitting on the couch, me and her, and, and as we're sitting there, they her parents are talking, and they're talking about they went to this church event, and, um, they're just, you know that her dad got healed from his shoulder, and 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 I'm sitting there, and as that he's speaking, 
I, I get this knot twist in my gut. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like, and I, I don't know what's going on to me. And all of a sudden, my, like, waterworks, like, I'm talking about full-blown, like, not crying. It was just waterworks pouring out of my eyes. I had to get up and go into the other room, into the kitchen, wash my face, and it was still coming out. Still coming out. And I'm, at this point, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out because I'm not crying. I walked in the other room and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I sat down, I'm like, I don't, and I explained, I don't know what's going on to me right now. And they looked at each other and they were like, you need to come to our church this Sunday. And I just looked at her and I'm like, okay, let's, let's go. And that Sunday I got saved and I got healed right then in that moment. And, and this was eight years ago and I've never had an issue since you can vouch for my pose everything i do i mean i've never had an issue since i've only gotten stronger healed delivered everything all in that moment and uh <laughs> what's even crazier is so we had three weeks till we were moving the first week i got healed and saved okay and so when god has a plan it's amazing how quick never understand how quick he can work when he wants something to be set when he wants to be set in motion so that happened the following Sunday, went to the same back to the church. The, before we went, <laughs> I was in the shower. So, taking my shower before church, and I get another encounter. I'm in the shower, and all of a sudden, the water went, you know, from hot, steaming hot, to like a coolness, like a just a like a coolness from head to toe, just hit me. And I look up and I, and I, and I start speaking and I don't, I have no idea what's coming out, but it's just coming out. Like it's flowing out. just like how the water works. So we're flowing out. It's very coming out. And I was not that I was freaked out about it because it almost felt so, uh, it felt so right. Normal. Like it, it, it felt, I don't know. I don't know how it felt, but it, it didn't feel like weird. And it was like gibberish to me. And as quick as it came for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 seconds, I don't know. It, it, as quick as it came, it, it, it lifted and the water went right back to hot. And I opened up the shower curtain and here's, here's again, I didn't even think about this when you told, you know, at the beginning about the whole looking in the mirror thing. You know, I looked in the mirror again and at that moment I looked at myself and I'm like I didn't I didn't recognize myself but not in the way I didn't recognize myself before I recognized myself and as cliche as it sounds I, I recognized myself almost as a new creation like I realized I knew I realized I recognized just who I am looking into my eyes uh, you know, and for the first time in my life, even when I thought I had the world at my fingertips on, on cloud nine, doing workouts, had this new life, I still felt like there was a cap to it. But the moment I got saved and that happened, it was like the wall was broken over top of me. And like, then now there is no limit. It's limitless. 
and and I still two weeks. Not even. It's not like I'm putting a lot of faith in action right now. Still, he's just freaking rocking my world, <laughs> trying to get my attention and like, look, son, because that next week. I uh, share my testimony at the church and everything. And that following week, guess what? They blessed us, prayed for us, and off we went. So in three weeks, come on now. If he wants something done, if he wanted something done before we moved down here, because obviously I've been down in Florida down here since 2013, and he had a plan. He had a he had a vision for me. And if that if all that that's how it took, you know, to get my attention and to do it, well, you know, then so be it. You know. But so fast forward a little bit when, when we moved down here, um, I was with my ex, she had a five-year-old son and, you know, we were just playing house. I like to call it, you know, we just had a house, you know, didn't buy this rent, you know, we knew people, so we were able to get by, you know, and I was actually two weeks away from, we were like, we can't do this to, I know, you know, Cameron, um, Blanky and he was like, you know, went to Destiny, that church, because her mom was like, you know, looked up a list of churches, and um, it's like, you know, I think this one looks the best. And we went to it, and that was Destiny, and um, we're going through the motions there and learning and growing. You know, I finally was able to open up a job, and so I was working, and she was parking, doing her thing on the side at night, and I was pretty much almost like in, in that arena of, wow, I like I got home. But, you know, soon to be a wife because, you know, I actually ended up proposing to her that summer. So we moved in February, proposed her that summer, and we already said to get married that April. So, you know, soon to be wife, husband almost, and then um, father to her son. I mean, it was like, man, like I got everything I could ever want. But guess what? It, 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 It still didn't seem real. Um, because, you know, we're going, as I'm learning and growing in the Lord now, um, I'm learning about myself and I'm learning about why and how and who I am and, and why, all, I mean, all this stuff, I mean, you're talking about a cluster, you know, I was trying to, <laughs> and then I'll put all the other stuff that was definitely not godly behind the scenes, you know, not living the right life. Um, it was like counter active to each other and it wasn't my life didn't balance out and I didn't realize that at the time because you know I don't you know I'm just kind of going through the motions and then it got to a point where um God really needed to intervene because if he didn't I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the heart to do it anyway but you know it just things weren't it wasn't the vision and the path he had I'll, I'll put it that way for us and for me and that's no ill will to, you know, her or anything. It was just, it wasn't meant. And especially when you're actually trying to walk right with the Lord, he honors that. I fully believe that he will honor and get you any out of situations that, you know, you couldn't ever get out of yourself. And um, she, out of nowhere, you know, gave my ring and back in the middle of the Walmart parking lot and, um, I was actually going to church that on my way home when I got that news and, um, before I met her up there and, um, I went to the church to grab my Bible because I left it. My buddies were there to unlock for me and just such a divine moment because 
talk about going through seasons and more obstacles that you don't think one can be worse than, you know, the next, you know, talking about a kid that, you know, self-esteem, all this other stuff, finally having this life, having everything only for it to just crumble and no rhyme or reason. You know, not to say I'm, you know, totally off the hook. You know, I didn't play a part in it, but, you know, I really didn't do anything to make that happen. Um, so for it all to just be taken away and crumble, um, I broke and I got on my knees in the, in the middle of the church parking lot. And even though I was only, I don't know, six months in, saved, um, I looked up and I, I still knew in my heart, you know, most people say the first things out of their mouth is when things go wrong is why God? first well that that didn't even cross my mind the first things out of my mouth were because i knew he loved me like i knew like like even as some of the guys are there like you're only like a couple months saved like how are you still on fire and this and that i'm like guys you don't realize once i got saved everything clicked for me like all these events i was doing and sharing my testimony in front of hundreds of people and traveling and doing this stuff and like when people used to say, how did you get the motivation to do this? How did you do this all by yourself? Because it went off from the whole world, you know, just worked out and, and that's it, you know, and you just, how do you do that? Cause most people, they need help and there's no, it will against that. But God wanted to bring me through the ropes hard knocks, me and him. I didn't know he was with me the whole time. And I had no excuse. I, well, I had no not excuse. I didn't have no I didn't have nothing to give them a value that I felt. All I could tell people when they used to ask me was that, well, how'd you do that? How'd you get the motivation? And I'm like, you know, I used to come up with cool, catchy things. Like, you know, I found the inner light and that kind of stuff. Cause it sounded good and it kind of appeased them. But once I got saved, man, like it all came full circle. I'm like, Lord, you were with me that whole entire time. You helped me. You strengthened me when I couldn't move and roll off the couch and you strengthened me, you, you imparted, you were there the whole time. Guess what? You know how I know, like from my own personal relationship, how good the goodness of God is, is that he didn't want one ounce of credit for that. He did that all behind the scenes. He wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to show, you know, through you that, you know, I can do that. You know, no, it wasn't like that. There was no credit involved. He just loved me so much that he wanted to father me and to, mold me and it transformed me from the outside first while working on the inside to who I've always wanted to be and who he created me to be. And it was just such a instant, just like there was no, it was a, it was an instant, like you can't tell me otherwise how good God is in my faith that, that you cannot waver me. You can't. When you have an encounter like that, especially you're not talking about just you've done drinking and drugs and stuff like that for a couple of years or even your whole life. Well, guess what? You weren't doing, you weren't probably drinking and doing drugs when you're in first grade either. But I dealt with stuff since first grade that goes way beyond just independency of teenage years and all this stuff. This is like from almost, I don't say birth, but it's young. So it was like, man, like I'm not living my life like that no more. It was empty. Um, so fast forward back to, you know, when I was on my hands and knees, I 
So if only words that I can say out of my mouth were, okay, God, if you want me this bad to allow something like this to happen, that most people, that's a totally like mature, like down the road, like walk kind of thing. And I'm not taking one out the credit for it, but that's what came out of my mouth. That if you want me this bad to allow this, something like this to happen, then guess what? You got me. Like, and at that moment, there was no integrity behind the scenes, doing my own thing, kind of just going to flow and compromising. And no, there was, there was, no, it, it was like full on, Lord, I'm in. And that's when he connected me with, you know, my pastor, my sister, father, Mike Ashburn, and, um, and started discipling me and fathering me and loving on me and showing me how this walk with the Lord really is supposed to look. And, and, and not just from a spiritual kind of, you know, come to church, you know, and then do your own thing. It was, it was real. It was a lifestyle for me because the way God worked through, worked through me, the beauty about how he worked through me with my transformational physically was that he allowed me to put it in perspective, replicate it and reflect it onto my spiritual life and my lifestyle spiritually. Cause I'm like, look, you're not going to just work out once a week and expect, you know, to live this out for the long haul. Right. You know what I'm saying? You got to do it. Not to say you have to do it every single day, but you have to do something. You got to take action and be a part of it and make it a lifestyle every day. And that's how I take my spiritual walk. If you're not speaking and communing with him or just in prayer or just even in the word or just doing the basic stuff, you don't have to spend all this time, but just be in communion, be in him and be God conscious. You know, that's the lifestyle. That's what I was like, you know, if God is uh, everything he said, and that's what I said, like, you know, I'm like, if you look at what he says, and this is kind of like my early mindset, you know, when it happened, I'm like, well, it's either black or white, right? I mean, I was new, newborn. I'm like, well, there's, there is no gray area, right? I mean, if God is God and he says this, then you're either going to believe it or not, right? So I took that like black or white, like, okay, there is no gray area. So why am I going to create a gray area? <laughs> so, you know, that's why I went all in. And um, from that point on now, I mean, gosh, it's been you know, seven, eight years, but, you know, I'm talking about when I first got saved in 2013, but when I really, really, really was all in was 2015. And I mean, I went through a, a whole, like a healing process of probably the two, two years, almost a year and a half, two years, fathering and discipling and learning about myself and getting freedom and getting all this stuff broken off of me and, and it was just amazing, beautiful, like, oh my gosh, like, that's when God started showing me visions and dreams and what I'm going to be doing, what he has planned for me. And it was just, oh, inspiring, because guess what? Not all the, not all the weights on me anymore to try to create something for myself. Like, like, you know, my early on when I was doing health and fitness and I was running all the events, you know, my team was rock bottom to rock hard. Well, I little did I know that he was fine tuning that and sharpening that and pressing that and molding that into the diamond of what rock hard faith has come to be and um it's just 
now I look back and I'm like, Lord, you know, that was eight years ago. So all the stuff we just talked about and what's happened in my life, now how does that translate into me now? Okay, so after that healing process and still going full on with the Lord as far as there's no compromise, I met my wife at an event down in Boca. And little did I know it was my wife, but, you know, she walked in and I was actually the guest speaker. And, and it's, and it's crazy because I shouldn't have even been there because I had, I shut, I was in a Facebook fast for a month and I got back on. By the time I got back on, I had two messages from two different people running the same event wanting me to be a guest speaker. And, um, I was like, well, that's weird that they're not even in conversation about this. And I was like, well, it's only a week away. There's no way they already got someone. And they said, no, we got, we, we love you. And there was a Sunday and I'm like, well, I can't do that. I run the media church and this and that. And that's really easy to get into the ritual of church that you can't, you know, without, if you, if you get in the ritual of church, that can be dangerous because then you're never really hearing the spirit and hearing what God's really wanting you to do. I'm not saying not go to church, you know, for just some random reason, but like God really earnestly spoke, spoke to me. And I even talked to my pastor and I was like, look, I think God really wants me to go to this and speak. It's not like I was going for my own agenda. I was like, this is one of the first first times I get to give all the glory to God on on stage in front of hundreds of people. I'm like, all right, God. And so I know, you know, it all came full circle from some of the events I did up in Ohio and Toledo and friends and that I've met down there that ended up being Kenzie's friends also that moved down here and she moved down here. In 2015, at the tail end of me getting my healing done, so he was grooming me to be able to prepare me for, guess what? You've honored me. Guess what? And it was only two weeks before that. I was like, Lord, I'm I'm done. Whenever your time is, you know, because then he started thinking about marriage. And I'm like, well, finding someone. And then it's like, that's where you get tricky and you know, slippery. And But I, I want to be, you know, full on with God. And after I gave that... Um, speech you know it's probably the worst one i've ever done because the lighting was terrible couldn't even see it was all white but the only face i can make out was her hmm. <laughs> and um the, you know some mutual friends connected us and started talking and i was like you know i don't really not to say i was pushing because i didn't really want a part of it and you know god actually i was like you gotta slide over head to get into any other relationship because I, I don't i just want you Right, and he he nudged it, and you know, and made the connection, and pretty much almost did the foundation for for us, <laughs> and we just kind of went with it. And don't get me wrong, it was still hard because we went through a process in two months in our marriage and and our relationship first in our and our relationship that you know I you know set lines, and I was like, look, I you know we gotta see if we have some real real raw here, true. And that was, that didn't go very well. Um, <laughs> and, um, but I'm thankful that I was able to do one of the hardest things because God taught me in that moment to be able to pray and have a neutral heart, whether she stayed or goes. Guess what? Still to this day, we're married and we have a beautiful daughter that just turned one last month. And we, have twins on the way we found out in january so we have twins expected in august we have our we bought our first home within the last year 
Um, we got, both got, you know, great jobs and, and just, and this is, you know, and it all stemmed from that moment of honor and, and from the Lord and, right. and still to this day, she'll say, you know, something would not let me let you go. And not, I take no credit for that, but <clears throat> I wanted to honor the Lord in that moment. Right. You know, to where, when my daughter gets to age, like, you know, you know getting pretty raw but you know did your mommy wait and, and just things like that that you know really honoring the lord because he takes that stuff seriously and he really takes it seriously especially when you do honor him he takes it more seriously i think because he's like my child listen to me oh my gosh because i can relate now <laughs> having children I, didn't, I couldn't before but now i can it's like dear lord oh my gosh you listen to me high five you know type of thing <laughs> so i can only imagine how giddy he gets but yeah, so that's my life now, and you know, just rock hard faith has just been, you know, my my testament and my story um, of overcoming obstacles and and just sharing the story. That's what my that's what my journey has always been about. Is not just sharing my story, but empowering others to share their story. Just like what you do, Kevin, is just I I care about sharing people's stories because guess what? You know, just like you know my my I'm saying the slogan, but by the word, you know, it's, I go by is by the word of your testimony. You know, nothing. That's how you overcome everything. You you can't refute, even if someone doesn't believe. Well, that's fine. You don't have to believe. But guess what? You can't refute my testimony and my story. Right. You can't take that away from me. You can't. You you can't. You it's rock solid. Take it or leave it, and that's it. And that's what, if you can empower people to just share the story for that. I mean, there's nothing that, you know, people can't overcome, but also can't, you know, accomplish in their life. And, and it's, it's just so freeing, um, being able to live that life because it's not for you, but, you know, and people, people might, you know, think now with social media, how everything runs nowadays that, you know, just sharing a story, it's all about you. It's all, well, I mean, okay. I mean, if you, God judges the heart. He sees the heart. He right. sees the motive, right? Definitely. It, it doesn't matter about the people or what people say or think. It, does, it doesn't matter. People are always going to. Mm-hmm. But your motive is everything. That's what my past, my search father used to always say, and that's what always sticks in my heart is what's your motive behind it? Right. Because your motive is everything. Well, what I was thinking of is, is like if we exalt ourselves, God will humble us. And he puts us in a position that – other people will exalt. Like when I'm, we're talking to you now, I'm giving you the platform, giving you the capability to share your story and show what God has done in your life and through your life. And it's, it's a humbling situation um, because it's, you know, you're not putting like, I did this, I did this, I did this. This is, you could see God working through your life, his plan. I see a roadmap and he has had it from the beginning. And your story is, you know, somebody out there is listening. Somebody out there is saying, hey, I'm overweight. I have this challenge. Or I'm an alcoholic and I have this challenge. I've hurt myself. And now they've heard those three different things in your story. Let's wrap it up with the, basically, let's pick one of those topics and let's just speak to an audience member that is actually going through that right now. So whatever one you want, if you want obesity, whether it's alcoholism or if it's a torn uh, shoulder, um, let the Lord lead you on which one to pick. And let's talk to somebody out there and let's maybe pray for them that um, God will intercede and God will uh, inter- you know, work in on their behalf. Yeah, um, 
and only because I'm going through that season right now, like really, really, with really coaching, life coaching people right now, is that, you know, I can work you out and I train you and you can do all that stuff every day, every second, every day. But real transformation lies within. And um, if you don't have that, then it's, it's building a house on sand. Right. You know, building a house on rock is comes from within. And um, so, you know, between alcoholism and depression and all that stuff, because I'm, I work with those people right now and they come to me after a workout, then open up to me, mm. you know, working out. And then and the ministry that he's given me is just a, a way to navigate to help people get free. You know, it's not the main motive behind it, but it is how he's given me to be able to really minister to people. And I, and I take that seriously because when someone opens up their heart to you, you God takes that so seriously. Right. And you better be pure because guess what? You know, if not, then you're dealing with someone's life. And right. um, the depression, all that stuff, I mean, that, that I mean, it, it kills. Mm. Like, it, it kills. It will kill faster than any drug or alcohol because it might not kill you quicker, but it'll kill you slowly. Right. And, and you won't and you won't even realize it because just like me, it happens slowly, gradually, but to the point where I, I was living in darkness and full-on darkness, like blinded and not realizing that there was actually even a purpose to live in this life. Because so many people walk through life like this. They live off the news. They live off of events. And, and, and they're not living life. Mm-hmm. They're not. And I want people to live their life for what they've been given. Because, like, I've heard some people, pastors say, like, you know, what was it that you got, like, a million? It was some crazy statistic. I'm not even going to try to. Right. think of it it was like a million or something but it was literally the it was that you're even here right now mm. like you physically in this world out of how many god chose you to be here out of all the no not to get raw but you know obviously all the <laughs> little eggs all the stuff you you were born you were right so you can't tell me that you don't have a purpose here so um, yeah, so you, your life matters, man. Your life matters. And guess what? You don't have to be some president or CEO or, or, or platform. You don't have to. You can change people's lives just like I did, just by showing up for work every day and encouraging them and loving on them. And, but it all starts with you from within, you know. So all I can say is just you don't have to hit rock bottom in order to change your life. Right. You can you can look in the mirror every single day. You can make that choice. You can make that choice to put your best foot forward and to lead with your chest held high, your chin held high and your chest up, not out of boastly, but out of godly confidence that you are a new creation, that you can do this. You can change the world one person at a time, one word at a time. Anything. You start simple. You know, big, drastic, life-changing things. They don't happen out of, like, some big explosion. 
of just, you know, don't get me wrong, there's big moments, but guess what? It's all mainly all in the daily, consistent, disciplined little things. Right. And God sees and honors each one of those. And um, so, yeah, that's, mm. that's, that's where it starts. It's a good place to start um, with. Yeah, so you just uh, you want me to pray for him real quick? Yeah, go ahead, Brian. Do that. That'd be good. I always like to end with uh, a prayer. Or something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely want to seal it off because Father, we just thank you for this time together. We just thank you for everyone listening, and and I just we just honored Kevin right now for his heart for um, just giving people a platform um, and a voice to speak. Um, be able to encourage and be able to strengthen and then be able to sharpen one another, Lord. And we just, I thank you um, that you're just doing work even right now as people are just um, meditating on their life and their events that have transpired in their lives, whether good or bad, that Lord, that they can take it for what it was, but see that you've worked in every detail of it to get them to that point, that they're never too far gone, that they don't have to hit rock bottom or to have a life that changed their life. But Lord, they can just be diligent in the day by day things that opportunities you've given them because it's a lifestyle. And just like I like to say, you know, to be in it for the long haul, it, this is a lifestyle. Whether it's health, fitness, whether it's just being a mom, being a dad, being a husband, being a wife, um, whatever it is, whatever you're called to, just just focus on those moments. Live each moment for what it's worth. Be diligent in it. Love unconditionally, when, even when it's the hardest to. And just put God and everything in the center of that what you do. And we just thank you for this time, God. And um, thank you for all the ears <laughs> that this might rest upon and all the hearts that um, will just be able to be embraced by your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. That is awesome. This is a good interview. I really, really enjoyed it. I am glad that we did it. Um, everybody, this is the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. I've been talking to Ed Kamara Jr. on the phone. Ed, thank you very much again for joining us. Yes, sir. I look forward to the next time. Be encouraged, guys. Yeah, we'll get together. We'll do a, a family. Uh, I call them table talks. We'll sit down with you and your wife and uh, we'll have a conversation about life that's going on today. So, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We're, we'll talk to you guys again next week, same time, on Sundays. It's released on iTunes, Facebook, um, and other places that you can find your podcast. So, again, talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in today to the Millennium Beat Podcast. I hope you heard something that was encouraging to you. We'd like to hear from you with your story. So write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com. Or give us a call at 407-624-9957 and leave us a voicemail. You may also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have a YouTube channel. Please like us and share us with your friends. You may also go to our website at themillenniumbeat.com and you'll find our podcast and our YouTube video. You also may find a calendar there with past and future guests and dates and times. Plus, another way for you to contact us with your stories or questions. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. Views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. You've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James.
I'm going to give you a little snippet of a show called Family Matters with your host, Paul Kendall. If you want to hear more shows like that, go to KindleFamilyNetwork.com. Once again, I'd like to thank Paul Kendall for the use of his show. Welcome to Family Matters, a daily look inside the real world of parents and their children. I'm your host, Paul Kendall. Today I'd like to speak especially to those of you who are priests. No, I don't mean those of you wearing a clerical collar. I mean every father listening. You may be thinking, me? A priest? I don't think so. Well, before you disqualify yourself, let's take a quick look at whom God identifies as a priest. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Dads, whether you realize it or not, you are the priest of your home. You're responsible for the spiritual well-being of your family. When the moral fiber of your children comes into question, the buck stops with you. Leaving the teaching of morality and Christian values up to someone else to teach your children is far too dangerous. Even if our children are involved in the church children's ministry, good spiritual habits begin at home. Your children should see you praying and reading the Bible. Parents must first have clarification about their own beliefs and be grounded in the Bible. Then they must have the courage to let their children see those beliefs lived out every day. I've had several pastors over the years, but none of them compared to the impact my father has had on my life. He was not a Bible scholar, but he did see to it that we were all in church every week, and he reinforced what we learned there. The end result for him was four children who all grew up to be ministers. It's also interesting to know that those four kids produced ten grandkids who were all involved in Christian service. All of us, the kids and grandkids, owe a great deal of our Christian values to one man who made the decision to become the priest of his home. What would life have been like without church and a father who would get us there? I don't even want to know. There are literally hundreds of churches in your community, and there is one that your family can call home. Dads, I hope you'll get your family there this week. There's no better time to start than now. And don't worry about not being able to quote scripture and the fact that you thought the prophets were a singing group from the 70s. Get your family in a good church and begin to reinforce God's word in your everyday life. There's no better way to become the priest of your home. That's Family Matters. I'm Paul Kendall. For more Family Matters, and to learn how you can bring Family Matters to your church or special event, log on to thekindlefamilynetwork.com.